Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hi, this is Mark Homer, and welcome to Mark My Words. Now, Progressive is celebrating its 10th year in the marketplace. So Rob and I have collated 37 things that we've learned along our journey over the last sort of decade of running running the business and a little bit longer for me investing in property. Uh, and I hope to, to share this, uh, you know, when, uh, when we have our 100th birthday. It can take time to make money in property, but not a lifetime. So what is property and, and how long does it take you to make money from it? There's loads of marketing spiel out there that, that says you can get rich very quick from property. And yes, of course you can get rich from property, but I'd say it's a get rich slow technique. You know, property deals, even if they're not particularly good ones, bit like a bad haircut, they always grow out. And in the majority of cases, you end up making a lot of money as long as you take the action, it's sustained action over a long period of time. And you wait, you hold them and you don't end up selling them, uh, which is uh, usually the, the, the worst thing that you can do. So property is a get rich, slow strategy. Um, as long as you, you hold them, you keep the faith, and, uh, and you don't expect results tomorrow. Refurbs and conversions usually take 25 to 50% longer than the builder says, and often cost 20% more. Well, most builders come along, uh, they look at a job, they miss loads of jobs out, they underestimate the length of time it's gonna take, and clearly the amount of money it's going to cost to do the job. Even if you get a main contractor in and you sign a, um, a, uh, a fixed price contract, uh, and you know that's linked to the amount of time that the job's going to take. Uh, there are ways of, of them varying that contract. There'll be variations. Uh, there'll be other unforeseen things that are excluded. Um, so you'll find the prices are still likely to go up, even if you've got one of those. And if you haven't, it's probably going to go up even more. Uh, and it's going to cost. It's going to take longer than estimated. This is just a reality. Um, you know, if you apply these rough percentages to um, any of your jobs, you'll probably come out the right way. You know, it's all about expectation. Obviously, don't let others know that you're um, extending the amount of time and, and, and cost over you know, what they're telling you. But if you expect it to take longer and you do your budgets and your um, estimates based on it costing more, you're not going to be disappointed and you'll probably find the deal still works. Uh, but it's good to go into it with your eyes open with this understanding. Number three. Most strategies work if you do and don't if you don't. Focus on your own deals and not others. Well, this is true of any walk of life. Um, there are people who you know, sort of read a book, um, go on a course, and don't always put the work in that's necessary. Um, most strategies are good if you put the legwork in, put the time in, uh, and you really focus on your, you know, your business or your portfolio or your strategy that you're developing. Um, it's very important to do this because over a period of time you're, you're likely to get much, much better results. And you know, I've, I've seen the people who have um, taken the basics, run with it, put the hours in, uh, done extremely well. And I've also noticed those that have been on exactly the same training or done exactly the same thing, 
not necessarily applied it in the same way and got very different results. So it's um, it's important to uh, you know to, to get in there, get the experience, and put the hard work in. People are fickle. What the media think of property today will be different next week. Well, we see this all the time. Uh, 2006, 2007, the media was pumping the market, saying it was you know property was going to go up forever. We we're all going to make millions. 08, 09, 10, we we're all going to die. You know, houses were the worst thing to be in. It would never recover. It was going to go on for decades. Uh, and then lo and behold, by sort of 13, 14, 15, everything's growing again. Uh, 16 to, 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 to some extent until Brexit comes along and then, you know, property's all going to fall off a cliff and we're all going to die again. So all this stuff goes round and round. Um, people buy into it. Um, the public is, is definitely conditioned by this stuff. Generally, when people turn negative uh, and are, are reading this sort of stuff, uh, it's good to, to go in and try and negotiate with vendors and, and buy properties. Uh, and clearly it's good to sell um, when people become a lot more positive. So they're very fickle. Um, often they don't think about um, what happens over the long term. They're, they're sort of thinking that week and, um, and changing their, their view accordingly, um, depending on which way the wind is blowing. Same thing goes for the banks. Uh, they're probably a little bit less fickle, but what they think of property today will be different next week and definitely will be in a few years' time. Um, definitely through the credit crunch, there are lots of banks who are refusing to lend and imposing ridiculous conditions when actually um, once most of the market had fallen, the, the risk was much lower um, in, you know, in mo most areas of property. Certainly with development finance, I've noticed in the last few years it's got much, much easier to borrow um, to, um, to develop properties for sale. Um, the irony was uh, the best time to take development finance was probably, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, you know, for sale in maybe 12, 13, 14 when the market was really, really good. Um, but of course, banks don't necessarily think like that because of course they're governed by other people lending to them and investors and wholesale markets as well. So they can be very, very fickle. So you've got to make your own decisions based on what the market is likely to be over the medium to long term rather than what they sort of think that week. Same thing goes for governments. Governments are fickle. What they think of property today will be different next week. Governments are largely driven by the public. Um, you'd like to think that they ignore some of the whims of the newspapers and the media and what the public thinks that week and tries to introduce long-term policies for the good of the country. But the reality is, as we've seen with, with Labour and Jeremy Corbyn in more recent times, and certainly the Conservatives, um, you know, with their, their new taxation of buy-to-let, none of this is a, a long-term, workable, feasible solution to the the challenges that we have in the property market, I think the, the only really feasible uh, proposals are to build more properties um, in order to control rents and control the amount of property or, or make more, make a greater availability of properties that, that people can purchase. But governments don't seem to have focused on that uh, in the last few years. Um, in many ways, they're, they're focusing on the, the whims of the public just to gain votes. So, um, you need to uh, see past what they're saying, uh, look for the long term, realise if there, are, there is new legislation that comes in that doesn't benefit you. Something else we usually adjust. Um, in the medium term, it may have to be reversed or something else will have to change. So invest for the long term, overlook what governments are coming out with 
uh, over the, the short to medium term and, and realise that the market will have to equalise the position so it's, it's not the end of the world when they come out with some draconian new law. Just because there are critics, it doesn't make it a bad investment. Well, that's linked to a lot of the comments that I've just made. Um, lots of people will go negative on an area and say, oh, it's no good or you know, it, it, it isn't right. And maybe that's because they've heard lots of other people say the same or it's an area that's easily attackable. Um, or maybe the newspapers are saying that. But actually, there may be lots of profit in that area. So I think it's important to get on the ground and test strategies and test investments to see if they work in your area at that time. Um, that's very, very important. Yield, cash flow and net income are usually the most important consideration with a property deal. Uh, that's got to be true. Um, for me, yield is where it all starts and finishes. Um, that's what keeps you safe. That's what makes you monthly money that you can spend. Um, capital growth is, is probably what's going to make you rich over the long term, but you don't know when it's going to come and how much. So yield is what you focus on, and it also allows you to, to borrow money against the investment. So income, income, income when you're looking at property deals. Number nine, there's always an entrance fee. You earn or you learn. I think this is so, so true. I paid my entrance fee in the early days. I bought all sorts of stuff all over the world, new build, overseas, off plan. Um, I, I didn't earn and I learned and I lost money. Uh, and this is often what happens when people start in the property world. So, you know, if you've had a bad deal or you haven't done something in the right way, see it as your entrance fee learn from the mistake, modify your behaviour, change your investment strategy for the next deal uh, and, and, and just put it down to experience. You've got to pay some entrance fees on the way in. It's just important that you start small and don't multiply all those errors up over lots and lots of deals. So if you're starting a strategy, just do one or two, test it, make sure you, you wait at least six months until you buy the next one. Um, this will stop you making the mistake over and over again. You'll get all the learnings and then you can scale up once you've got the, uh, the realities of that deal, you know, in your location, working with your sort of knowledge and, and you know, how it, how it fits with you as a person. It is much better to learn from the mistakes of others vicariously than making your own mistakes, which will invariably cost a lot more. Um, I like to watch other people who are trailblazing new ideas, sit back, watch how what they're doing uh, materialises, see if it works, um, let them go down a path, um, which I haven't necessarily trodden, and then probably model, rinse and repeat. Um, If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started.
yes or stress share my strategies with them if they share them with me i think it's much better to do that than start a load of new strategies which you are not used to and not set up to do um, because um, it's going to take you a lot longer to refine them uh, it's probably reckless if you're introducing them into a you know a, a business introducing sort of untested strategies into a business because uh, it could take you a lot longer and there's a lot more risk associated and you'll burn through quite a lot more cash. So much better to look at others and, and learn from their mistakes. It's impossible to predict how much capital growth and when it will come, but it's almost guaranteed over the long run. Um, you see predictions every year in the newspapers, all sorts of people make these predictions. They are usually wrong, um, but capital growth will probably be the area in which you make the most money and which makes you really wealthy over the long term. It's almost guaranteed, uh, but you don't know when and how much you're going to get. Predicting interest rates is also a mug's game. Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, can't do it accurately. He gives us forward guidance. He, he tells us what's likely to happen, but he's frequently out. Um, so it's just impossible to predict how much and when they will rise or fall. So I wouldn't bother trying to do it other than to get a, a rough idea of what the likely um, path of interest rates is likely to be over, say, a one and three year period. Um, you see um, investment bankers and different banks making these predictions uh, and they also usually get them wrong. VOFM, viewings, offers, finance and management should be your consistent focus as there are many other distractions. I know when I'm looking to do deals, I'm constantly doing viewings, I'm constantly offering, I'm constantly building my relationship with banks and, and management, uh, management operations like letting agents. Um, this is where you make the money, this is where you're operationally uh, valuable and, and, and creating the value within your business. Uh, try not to get sidetracked onto these shiny penny new ideas that people are constantly bringing you. Planning is an uncertain process. What worked yesterday may not work tomorrow, and what was rejected last week may work this week. Uh, it's a fickle process. Uh, planning is uncertain, it's grey, it's subjective. It, you deal with um, individuals who, whilst they are supposed to be working to a policy, a lot of the time, a lot of their own biases and what they like and what they don't like is... Is, um, is, is, is the filter which they use when considering your planning application. Um, so it's good to get to know them and try and give them what they want. Uh, don't assume that because you've got something passed that it will work next week because you'll get a different planner, you know, a different officer in the council or maybe it goes to committee and you'll, you'll, you'll get a different uh, sort of, you know, members or, or councillors reviewing it. Uh, but also what didn't work in the past, you know, may work in the future. Develop long-term relationships with commercial banks. They become much more flexible and cheaper over time. Definitely true. Um, I have used brokers in the past, but I much prefer going direct to the big clearing banks. Um, I find that as I grow a relationship with them over time, they become a lot more, more flexible, um, you know, and, and it's easier to get the, the money flowing. I take them out to the development, so I get them you know, really understanding what we're doing and the trust builds um, and, you know, you, they write a lot of notes on the system and the system says you're okay. Definitely very valuable. Develop relationships with solicitors. Um, you know, solicitors know a lot about how to put deals through and how not to, you know, deal with certain aspects of, you know, commercial 
elements when, um, you know, sort of negotiating deals or, you know, maybe dealing with conveyancing. There's always planning issues. There are always issues around Section 106s. There are always issues with councils. You know, there are lots of different ways of dealing with these issues. And if you deal with a good solicitor often, they can have a chat with you to give you between-the-lines advice quietly, uh, which they're not necessarily putting their self at risk over, you know, in terms of you suing them or someone else suing them. These can be very valuable conversations, but these only happen when they trust you and you've developed a relationship with them. Um, the same goes with accountants. You know, these kind of between-the-lines conversations really increase. They can give you very valuable advice when they trust you. They don't feel like they, you're going to cause them problems. You need to develop relationships with solicitors and accountants over a period of time. Uh, get on the right side of them. Give them lots of business. Um, they can be very, very valuable people. None of your own money down is possible for anyone who gets resourceful and creative. Um, lots of people don't necessarily have the money to put into deals, but they could go and do a JV with somebody else. Um, over time, as you get more creative and resourceful, you're going to learn how to do that better. I've done lots of deals over the years, even after the credit crunch, which have required none of my own money. Um, they are possible uh, and they are legal. Um, but you need to develop your skill set, you need to develop your networking capabilities, and you need to be credible and somebody with a track record of doing deals uh, in order to get other people to want to invest in you. Wormhole opportunities open up yearly. People who get in early usually win big. Uh, I see these a lot. Cryptocurrency is probably something at the moment. There was Amazon, uh, you know, no money down with the banks before the credit crunch. We've seen commercial conversion with the the office to residential without um, permitted without planning permission using permitted development rights. This stuff comes out all the time. Uh, and when these op wormholes open up, you want to learn from someone quite quickly uh, and get in and, and make the money because often later on there is more competition, things let get regulated and things become more difficult. So that's when the big profits are usually there to be made. Investing in yourself is the best investment you can make uh, and it's a continued one. I constantly invest in myself, I learn new strategies, I surround myself with good people, um, I look after my body, I exercise, I try and eat the right thing, I don't always manage it. Um, I think they are the best investments which you can make over time. The human brain and yourself is what's going to make you the most money and make you the biggest returns over a period of time. So I think it's very, very important that you look after it and you invest in it. Always have two or three backup finance options in place as people and banks will let you down. Definitely true. People and banks, when you're getting to the last minute or halfway through a deal, might decide they don't like the deal anymore. They might decide they don't like you. They might decide that the wholesale market's dried up or maybe their funding's gone wrong or another deal that they've got isn't going right. So if you've got a couple of other options that you can use on every deal, you're going to be protected. You're going to uh, look better to the people that you're purchasing off and the agents that you deal with because you're not going to let them down. So always have a, a couple of those in the background. People will always try and knock those who they perceive are doing better than them. Uh, be better, not bitter. Um, I've certainly had some friends recently um, who have, have done this to me. Um, you know, they've, they've you know, sent some nasty articles around about me. In the end, I decided to challenge them on it and, and, and say to them that didn't really think it was very fair. 
Um, I think it's a reflection more on the people that are doing it than yourself, usually. Um, if you make sure that you aren't bitter about it and you get it out in the open, you don't become a prisoner of it. Uh, and you're probably more likely to just continue to carry on uh, and to, you know, not let it hold you back and, and stop you developing yourself. So it's important to, to, to focus on that and focus on um, the positive things that you're doing and understand that when people are like that with you or about you, it says more about them and how they feel about their life and what you're doing uh, in, in your life to sort of better yourself, uh, making them feel uncomfortable. New strategies need a testing phase on a small number of buildings stroke deals before being rolled out and scaled up. I touched on this earlier. Uh, it's important to make all your mistakes on the first few. Uh, it's going to cost you money. You need to sort of set your sale. Uh, you need to develop your strategies, but you don't need to do too many. You don't need to get in a massive sailing boat and <laughs> sail the wrong way uh, before you know how to do it and basically which direction to set the sailing boat on or which course to set it on. Um, it will save you a lot of money, a lot of time and over the long period you will be um, glad you didn't scale up before you'd basically paid your entrance fee, got all the learnings. You know, property takes at least six months usually to show its face. Just because lots of people are doing something doesn't make it a good investment. See this all the time, there's the shiny penny, sort of headless chicken scenario. Lots of people are piling into something, doesn't necessarily make it good. Maybe it warrants further investigation, maybe it means you're gonna dig into it, maybe it means that you're going to test and measure because lots of people like it, but it doesn't mean you go in big before you've tested it and got the results yourself and got the, you know, the evidence yourself to make sure that something works. Again, on the testing and measuring theme, without met metrics telling you how an investment or business is performing, you've got no idea how to improve it. How do you know if something is performing well or not? Well, it's usually numbers that tell you. You need to go out there, start the new strategy, and then on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, record how that strategy is performing. So that might be rent, uh, that might be all the costs that it's costing. If you're doing serviced accommodation, you know, what are your booking levels? Um, you know, how much is the cleaning costing you? How much is Airbnb costing you? How much is booking.com costing you? Um, you know, what's the maintenance costing you? What's the extra insurance? All that needs to go on a spreadsheet. You need to get the reality and you need to get a few months worth to get some accurate data on that investment on that street. Uh, and that will prove to you whether it's working. It's easy to sort of go on a gut feel. It's easy to sort of say, oh, you know, I've got lots of money coming in off this investment. But if you don't record it, uh, you probably haven't got the reality and your emotions often, they don't come out with the right answers with those, um, you know, in those areas. So definitely put it on a spreadsheet, record it. Trust people, but verify. Always do your due diligence, but don't get stuck overanalyzing. It's important that you do trust people. It's important that when somebody tells you something, you don't immediately sort of think, oh, that's bullshit. Um, but just verify what they're saying. And over a period of time, it will be quite clear to you who you can sort of listen to and, and, and trust and, you know, focus on, on their ideas. And, you know, you over a period of time, you'll be able to, to build further trust in those individuals. So uh, it's not good to be sort of, overly defensive and, and sort of go around suspecting everybody um, or, or most people, but you know, trust and you know, on, on, on first, um, first pass, um, 
take what they say as, as, as reality, but just verify what people are saying to you. Uh, and it will be quite clear to you quite quickly who you can trust and who you can't. And the only constant change is change. Most people get scared, but real entrepreneurs innovate and solve problems. Things change on a daily basis, accept that. Accept that as the starting point and the reality. You won't be disappointed then, but just be prepared to change yourself. I know as you get older, as I am doing, I'm 37 now, um, you know, your mind is probably less flexible, it's less sponge-like and, and therefore it's more resistant to change. Um, but the more you can train yourself to be flexible and to change, uh, the more you're gonna be able to solve problems and create new opportunities within your business as opportunities come along and the market changes. When people say you can't, they usually mean they don't know how. Um, this is true of most areas of life. Um, when people are telling you something does work or doesn't work, what they're saying to you is they know how to do it or they don't know how to do it. Um, when you can see that, it's quite important um, to, 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 to A, to focus on it and B, to, to work out whether they're likely to know something works or doesn't work as a strategy or a business idea or you know the advice they're giving you in terms of the investment you're making or the business that you're involved in, um, whether, it, whether it's, um, you know, it comes from a position of experience. Are they doing what you are wanting to do? If they're not and it's somebody in a pub just talking about your strategy or your business, well, it's probably bollocks. Uh, if they aren't doing it themselves, it's probably something they read in the newspaper. They're talking about something third-hand from somebody who um, has a, another motive and isn't necessarily understanding what they're talking about anyway, so it needs to be discounted, or at least you need to verify it in great detail and test it yourself. Somebody who's been involved in a business and investing in something for a long period of time, they're going to advise you on something, you know, uh, you'd probably take it a lot more seriously. If they're advising you on that specific thing that they have experience in, don't necessarily think because they've got a business and because they've been investing a long time in something, but they're advising you on something else that they know what they're talking about, because often they don't. Cash flow and capital are not the same. One is shorter term and the other is residual. Um, you know, one is longer term capital and it's lumpy. Um, cash flow comes in on a monthly basis, income, um, it's a lot smaller, lots of people say, oh, I'm never going to get rich from that, that may be true, but that's what's going to allow you to live, that's what's going to keep you safe, uh, and that's really where all of this starts. Uh, the capital growth and the big lumps, they'll probably make you wealthier over the long term, but you can't focus on them as much as the income, because if you do, you may end up with a very capital intensive business, you may run out of capital uh, or, or not have enough money in the bank. That's what sends you bust. Um, companies don't go bust through not making profit. They go bust because they run out of money. They run out of, um, uh, effectively, they get into cash flow difficulties. So, so income, uh, cash flow is what you focus on first and foremost. Things are rarely uh, ever as good or as bad as people make out. Uh, people, newspapers, the media, um, even governments like to exaggerate things to make people listen. Therefore, they make things look better or worse than they really are. The reality is that investments, business, uh, things in generally in daily life are somewhere in the middle uh, and are never as good or as, as bad as those who are uh, trying to grab your attention are making out. See through that. Money and profit is only ever real when it's in the bank. Uh, don't count your chickens. Um, I've done it lots of times before, but until the deal is completed, until you've got the money in the bank, 
the money is not yours. And often a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Therefore, you know, if you can take money today that is real uh, and bankable, uh, it is worth quite a bit more than sort of hypothetical money that is stuck in a bush or, you know, in a deal um, that won't, that isn't guaranteed to come to you. Uh, you know, that uh, you often need to have a lot more money stuck in the deal or in the bush for it to be um, equal to money you've got under your control that's liquid in the bank. The power of compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. I truly believe this. This is something I live my life by every day of the week. If you don't spend a pound today, you invest that money in, in 20 years, 30 years time, that pound is going to be worth many tens of pounds. Multiply that across your um, whole portfolio or your investments is going to mean a lot of money. So compounding is interest on interest. It is investment returns made from investment returns. Um, you're effectively investing a pound today, you know, 10% return at the end of the year, you'll have one pound 10, but in a year's time, you'll ha also have 10% on the 10p that you made last year. So you'll have one pound 11, and then it just multiplies and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And in the latter years, after you know a few decades of compounding, you'll have a huge amount of money. So bear that in mind, those decisions that you're making today and that money you're wasting today and the lower returns you're experiencing today have a massive effect over a long period of time. Leverage is the ninth wonder of the world, but it needs to be balanced. Too much and you're exposed, too little and you're underutilized. Well, leverage works the same way as compounding. Um, you know, it multiplies your returns many, many ways over. It's just borrowing from a bank, it's a mortgage, that's, that's leverage. Uh, but, you know, push it too far and you might end up getting yourself into trouble and maybe going bust. So, you know, I think it's a good idea to try and leverage up to maybe 70, 75% as the bank will often let you when you're doing your property deals. But over time, I would let that drift down, maybe 60% or 50%. It's important to have leverage, but just don't overdo it. When the bad times come, property values drop, you know, the banks might come in knocking for their money back. If you're leveraged at 50 or 60%, you're going to be in a much better position. You're probably going to be able to remortgage. Uh, if you have to, you're going to have more sort of wriggle room and the ability to get out of a bad situation. Very important. Multiple streams of active and passive income are possible and very, very important. Um, if you have one stream of income and you get fired, or it's your job, or you have one business, the business goes bust, or you have one investment, you know, and the, the government changes the rules and suddenly the income stops, you're knackered. If you invest in multiple um, businesses and multiple investments, i.e. you have property, you have, you know, maybe money in companies, you have some businesses. Um, if you have multiple income streams across different asset classes, if one or two go, you're still going to have income stream coming in and you're going to be able to recover from that and don't spend up to all your income make sure you're saving a good chunk of it i'd probably recommend saving over your 50 percent of your income on a monthly basis um, that will keep you safe it allows you to reinvest the income and get wealthier and wealthier also you can't succeed for the long term without having some challenges and helping others through theirs always recognize that you're going to have challenges you know, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have issues and stuff that you need to resolve on a daily basis. This is normal. This isn't something to get negative about. Um, things are going to change and you're constantly going to be hit with stuff. 
uh, which takes you off your course. Uh, you know, if you get lemons thrown at you, make lemonade. Um, you just need to work through these challenges. And often entrepreneurs are judged or, you know, their results are a direct result of how they fix and how they um, work their way through these challenges because they will definitely come and they will come at a frequent on a frequent basis. You can't do this alone. You need specialist partners and solid and a solid knowledgeable team around you. Most of the stuff I do, especially when it's a new area that I'm going to, I'm relying on professionals. Yes, I'm driving them. Yes, I'm guiding them, but they are often making, uh, giving me advice. Uh, I'm making the ultimate decision, but they're giving me the ideas and they're telling me what the right course of action is. So it's your job to find the best specialist partners and, and you know, the best team, you know, to put around you uh, to judge them over time and, and, and find the best ones because then you're going to get the best advice and you're probably going to end up with the best businesses and best investments. And finally, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Lots of people put money in the bank. They earn overall, after inflation, a negative return on their money. Uh, it's important to understand that taking some calculated risks in business and in investment is actually reducing your overall risk of you know, having your investments deteriorated over time. Um, people perceive investment and, and business as taking risks, but I would say in, in, in actuality, as a complete picture, you're probably reducing your risk by taking a little bit more perceived risk over a number of different asset classes, therefore increasing your overall return. Thank you for listening. I hope you got some good insights from that. I enjoyed delivering it. That has been Mark Homer for Mark My Words.